Let's jump right in. The title of my message today is Servant King. It's Servant King. Jesus is the only king who ever was called a servant king. Normally, you don't put those words together, servant and king. Normally, it's a king with servants. You follow me? It's not often you find a king who is a servant, right? But we do have a king, King Jesus, who was a servant, and that's the title of my message today. And so I want to jump right into the message. Go with me to John chapter 13. I want to show you uh, from the story here in in John 13, just I want to share with you some of my thoughts, and I want to show you what Jesus did. How many of you heard the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? You've heard the story, read it a few times. If you're not careful, you'll read over it again, and then you, you won't even know what you read. But there's a lot of good things in this story. Say, it's good. So let's jump in. John chapter 13. Starting in verse 1, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I go, when I read the first verse, I go, wow, man, there's some good stuff right there. So here's some of my thoughts from verse 1. Number one is, how did Jesus know this was his time to go back? How did he know that his time on earth was done? Was it set on the calendar? Did he get a reminder on his phone? Was it, was, it, was it something that somebody came and told him, hey, it's about that time? Was it because the religious folks were getting so rowdy and crazy that he goes, you know what, we need to get out of here? Or was it that the disciples grew so well that he said, man, my job's done? Just something to chew on. How did Jesus know? Maybe he knew, and I think this is more than likely, he knew when he got alone with God and he spoke with God and God spoke with him, that God said, okay, son, it's time. Wrap it up. It's time to come back home. You've done your work. So Jesus realizes he knows that his time on earth is done. And then the Bible says that he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. My first thought is this, that Jesus really loves his disciples. And if you're not careful when I say that, you'll let that just kind of run through your head and you won't even process that at all, if you're not careful. Because you'll hear a lot of preachers a lot of times say, man, God loves you. You can listen to Christian radio and they say, God loves you. And you get all these things. Was that a good radio voice? I'm looking for another career. No. <laughs> I got potential. Thank you, Andy. <clears throat> But if you're not careful, you'll hear people tell you that God loves you. And if you, it'll just pass from one ear to the next. And you'll never really stop on that long enough to realize, hey, hold on, hold on a second. God really loves me. You see, what I, what I like about this verse is that the Bible says that God loved or Jesus loved his disciples during his time on the earth. Which tells me this. Jesus loves to hang out with his disciples. Come on. You want to hang out with Jesus? Become a disciple. Man, that's good stuff. Become a disciple and you get to hang out with Jesus because he loves to hang out with his disciples. Then it, then it, it says that Jesus, he, he loved his disciples during his time with him. And then it says that he loved them to the very end. And so I take the first verse in that, in that chapter, and I could, I could have a quiet time right there. I could go, you know what? God loves to spend time with me. Jesus loves to hang out with me. I'm his disciple. I'm one of his disciples, and he loves being with me. 
And then on the other side, I can see, and he's going to love me to the end. Whoa. There's not many people that say, I'm going to be with you to the end, bro. Or there's a lot of people that will say, I'll be with you to the end. And then about two weeks in, they, they, they shag you, right? Jesus said, I'm going to love them to the end. Through all my stupidity, through all my knuckleheadedness. I looked it up. It's in the dictionary. <laughs> Urban dictionary. So number one, my first thought is Jesus really loves his disciples. I find it amazing that Jesus comes down from heaven to the place that he created, to the people that he created, and he loved it. Look at your neighbor and say, he loved it. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I've come to this conclusion that God loves people. Are you a people? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, somebody picked their hand up. And he little help this morning. It's all right. We all need a little help. God loves people. God loves the people he created. God loves to be with you. He loves to hang out with you. I love Sunday mornings because during our worship time, we get to sense, feel, and understand better the presence of God. It's one of my favorite times. I go, man, I get to just I sense the presence of God. It's good. It, but, but let me, newsflash, it's not reserved just for Sunday. Holla. You can have it Monday through Sunday, baby. And God loves you all week. Right? <laughs> God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, when you love somebody, you give them things. There's times in my life that I felt distant from God, and I'm sure many of you have felt this way too. There's been times that you feel like you slip away somehow from God, and it's, it's like you kind of, there feels like some distance between you. Anybody ever feel that way from time to time? Is you kind of go, you get in this kind of little rough spot and you kind of go, man, I just, I hadn't heard his voice. I hadn't sensed his presence. I hadn't, and it's true for all of us. It happens to me too. But, but here's the thing I've, I've come to understand when I reflect and remember how much he loves me and I start to process that, not just hear it, but process it. His love for me is the rope that pulls me back in. You see, God doesn't have a leash around your neck that he jerks to get you closer to him. He has his love attached to you. And when you remember how much he loves you, that's what draws you back in. It's the goodness of God that draws a man to repentance. You ought to be thankful for that. That verse could say it's the wrath of God that draws men to repentance. And we could be a bunch of fearful slaves to God. Instead, we get to be sons and daughters of God. My second thought is this, is that Jesus knew who he was. Watch this. In verse, verse 2 says, it was time for supper. This, this is about Judas. Judas basically betrays Jesus. Verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. Now, let's stop right there for just a second. Jesus knew how much authority he has. You you see that? That's what the Bible just said. Very simple. Come on, you ought to be shaking your head. Jesus knew how much authority he has. Then it says that he knew where he came from. 
And then he knew who he would go back to. This is important. Say it's important. It's important because if you don't know who you belong to, then you probably don't know how much authority you have, and then you probably wonder where you're going to go when you die. But let me tell you something. Jesus didn't die on the cross to leave you wondering. He died on the cross to give you assurance that you can know where you're going when you die. Amen? He didn't die for you to half-heartedly go through life. Oh, I hope I make it. Listen, if you're in that condition this morning where you're kind of going, man, I hope I, I hope I make it. Listen to me. You're not supposed to be there. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not beating you down. It's okay. But you don't, you don't need to stay there today. You need to have some assurance of salvation. You need to know where you came from. Who created you? God created you. The Bible says he formed your inner parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He put you together. If you don't like you, you've you got an issue with how God made you. Hey, God made me bald. He didn't stitch them very good because he knew they would fall out. That's why he gave me a good-shaped head so that when he looks down on me, he can see his glory. You see, a bald-headed man gets it's a privilege because when God looks down on you, he sees his reflection. I'm not mad at God because I'm bald. I just embraced the baldness, baby, right? So if you don't like you, then you got an issue with how God made you because he's the one that knitted you together. He formed your inner parts. So you came from God. Now you need to understand how much authority you have. Because, man, let me tell you something. We don't use nearly enough of the authority that God has given us. We complain instead of declare. We pout instead of pray. Oh, I'm preaching now. Come on. We don't know how much authority we have. When you don't know how much authority you have, you don't know what to use it or how to use it or when to use it. You're not Barney Fife in the spirit. Jesus didn't give you a silver bullet to hold in your pocket that one day you might use it. He gave you a loaded gun called the Holy Spirit that he would work and operate through you when it needs to happen. But you need to know how much authority you have. So read your Bible. Bump your neighbor, say, read your Bible. Now bump them back, say, yeah, you too. I saw you. You slept on your Bible. You didn't read it. We need to understand how much authority do we have. And then we need to know who we're going to return to. Why? Why do we need to know all that? Because when you know that, then you have confidence to do what Jesus does next. Watch this next verse. I'm going to read three again. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. You see, when you know who you are, you're not afraid to lose something when you get down into somebody's life. Jesus could go down into the disciples' life because he knew that his position with God was not at stake. If you know who you are, you're not worried about losing something. You're not insecure in your relationship with God. You'll get down into the pig pen with people. Because you don't care no more what people think about you. What's important is what God thinks about you.
Come on, you got to hang some people up, right? You got to hang their opinion of you up. You need to throw it in the trash. You need to, you, you spend too much time impressing people and not enough time obeying God. And it comes because there's something wrong with the relationship. There's an insecurity there. God wants you to be secure in the relationship. He wants you to act like a son or daughter. He doesn't want you to pretend to be one. He wants you to be fully confident that you are one. And use the authority that he's given you. So when the enemy comes after you, you can tell him to shut up and he shuts up. Amen? So when something doesn't open up in front of you, you can say to it, open up, and it opens up. Why? Because you have authority. You know where you came from. God, God put me together. If y'all don't like me, y'all don't like what God did. I know where I come from. I know the authority I have. And I know where I'm going back to. So this little momentary time right here on the planet doesn't mean squat to what I'm about to go back to. But while I'm here, I want to do what he's told me to do with full confidence and what he shows me to do. So because Jesus knew who he was, where he was going to return to, he had no issue taking off his robe, taking a towel, putting it around his waist, and bowing down at the feet of his disciples. In those days, Jesus was dressed just like a slave. The slaves didn't have robes. The slaves wore towels around their necks. So when they served you and they washed your feet, they could wipe the, the water off you. They could dry your feet. That's what a slave would do. It was a slave's job. It was a slave position. My grandmother would say Jesus wasn't too big for his britches. Come on, somebody. You ever heard that before? Oh, you're getting too big for your britches, boy. You know what that means? That means you're getting too proud to get down into somebody's life. Amen? So don't be too big for your britches. Look at your neighbor and say, your britches is getting tight. <laughs> be careful with that. I'll cut you loose with a loaded gun. Don't ever think so highly of yourself that you can't get low into somebody else's life. Don't ever think you're too good to clean a toilet, pick up trash, or wash somebody else's feet. Because here's the problem. If you think you're too good to do that, and you have a hard time doing that, then you got an issue. I went to church and the pastor said, I got an issue. Look at your neighbor. You got an issue. Tell them about you too. I know yours. You know mine. You got an issue. What's the issue? You're not secure in the relationship. You're too worried about losing some kind of status. Some kind of earthly position. Some kind of title. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven one day, we're going to look back and go, I worried about that. Oh my God, I worried about that. I spent all that time and frustration and energy worrying about that. Because you want to know who's going to get celebrated in heaven? The person who didn't think they were too good to help somebody. (laughs) When they walk in 
it's going to be some shouting. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't wavering in who he was. He wasn't worried about what he was going to lose. He wasn't too big for his britches. He, he got down into the dirtiness of other people's lives. In those days, the feet was the dirtiest part of the body because they didn't have covered up shoes. They didn't have boots. They had basically a piece of leather with some string on it is what they had. It was a little bit nicer than that, but that's basically what they had. So whatever they walked through was on them. Use your imagination. There was animals all over the place. Holla. So the slave would have to wash the feet. You see, the thing about our king that's different from any other king that's ever existed is our king will take his robe off, his identification off, and he'll put a a towel around his waist, and he'll get on his knees in front of you and wash off of you what you've been walking through. Buddha didn't do it. Muhammad didn't do it. Come on. Jesus did it. Jesus got down and lowered himself into a place to wash off of us what we walk through. Because sometimes we don't pay attention where we're walking. We got a farm, and it's fun to watch new people come to the farm. City slickers. When City Slickers kids come to the farm, I'm like, uh, let's, get some, let's get some Walmart bags put over them shoes. Well, why? Because you're going to step in some stuff. They don't pay attention. When you're used to walking through stuff, you know how to dodge it. Come on. <laughs> you can see it without looking for it. <laughs> you see, the kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of this world. Look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9. You need to understand this because it's different. Mark chapter 9 verse 33 has an issue with his disciples. He says, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? To which they went, oh man. But they didn't want to answer because they were arguing about which of them was the greatest. (laughs) He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. You see, the difference between the kingdom of the earth and the kingdom of God is that on the earth, you got to climb the ladder to get to the top. you got to step on people's heads, step on their hands, knock them off the ladder. Why? Because you're trying to get to the top. You, wanna, you want the glory. You want the praise. You want to be the front runner. You want to make the most money. You want to die with the most toys because he who dies with the most toys wins. But in God's kingdom, it's different. If you want to be first, you've got to put yourself last. It's different. You want to be the greatest, you need to be the least. Now, let me correct something. It doesn't mean you think of yourself as the least. It doesn't mean you even act like the least. We don't put ourselves down to make us the least. We just take the position of, no matter what happens, I'm going to be willing to get down into the dirtiness of somebody else's life and meet them right where they're at. This is why. Because the world we live in today don't want to hear your preaching. They're not downloading my messages. They don't want to hear your preaching. They want to see your preaching. They want to feel your preaching. 
They want to experience your preaching. The world's like, stop singing it and start bringing it. Amen? So what do we do? That, that's good news because now you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good thing. You, know, you don't have to know the Bible backwards and forwards. All you got to do is to know enough that I need to get outside and do something for somebody that's going to help them. And just by doing that, I'm preaching the gospel to them. Amen? Jesus said, you want to be first, you got to take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. In God's kingdom, if you want to get high, you got to get low. If you want to be first, you got to be last. You see, when you know who you are, you know where you come from, and you know where you're going, you don't care where you're at. You don't care where you're at. That doesn't matter. I know where I came from. I know who I am. And I know where I'm going to end up. Not by accident, but on purpose. So where I'm at right now doesn't really matter because the end is still good. Right? The third thought I had was Peter didn't understand. Watch this in chapter 13, verse 6. Watch what happens to Peter. You know Peter says things he shouldn't say when he shouldn't say them, right? Verse 6 says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, remember he's washing their feet. When he gets to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never ever wash my feet. Watch how Jesus responds, and you need to get this this morning. Peter, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. What? Did he just say that? If you don't let me wash you, you don't belong to me, Peter? Uh Uh-oh. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he make such a harsh statement? Why is he being so mean? If Peter doesn't let Jesus wash his feet, then Peter can't understand what it's like to have your feet washed by somebody else. If Jesus doesn't wash Peter's feet, he never understands what it feels like to be served by somebody even when you don't deserve it. You see, that's the thing that puts the hook in you is when you get served by somebody when you don't deserve it. That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and not the wrath of God. Amen? Because he wants you to experience his goodness because that's what's going to keep you coming back for more. Amen? So if you've never experienced that, then you don't know what it's like to give it away and what the other person is going to feel. And Jesus is saying to him, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you don't belong to me. Wow. If you don't let me wash you, Peter, you don't belong to me. That's pretty crazy, right? 
Shake your head. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's cray-cray. Right? It's okay. See, y'all got that. I just got to talk a little gangster to you get your response. A bunch of thugs. Peter didn't understand. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was trying to teach him in the moment. Peter was trying to err on the side of honor. Peter was trying to say, oh, no, Lord, I'm not good enough for you to wash my feet. And Jesus was like, listen to me, it ain't about who's good enough or who's not good enough. It's about you experiencing this so that when you give it away to somebody else, you can understand what they're experiencing. And that's going to make you want to give it away to somebody else. You see, God doesn't think like us. He doesn't respond like us because God is not us. There was a a lady in Jennings uh, back when we first came to the church about 18 years ago. We were living in Jennings and it was some friends we made. We were there when the church started and we made some friends with some of the people that helped start the church. And there was a couple named Lauren and Scott Legassi. And Lauren and Scott were freshly saved, still rough on the edges. She'd, she'd slip a couple curse words out. You know, she was fun to be around because, you know, she was saved but not sanctified yet. You know, those people are fun. You get sanctified Christians, they're not so fun. They forget how to party, right? But you get around some that are new, you kind of go, hey, they still got a little old left in them, right? Another message, another time. We had become friends with Lauren and Scott, and, and we just accepted them like they were. Never passed judgment on them. Just loved them exactly how they were. When they cussed, we didn't go, oh, my God. The Bible says no, let, let no filthy language come out of your mouth. We didn't do none of that. We laughed. Why? Because God was moving in their life. And they weren't perfected yet. And the truth was, we probably let some slip out too. <laughs> Bless your heart. So we became good friends. We didn't know that we had an impact on their life. We didn't know we were impacting their life. We just became friends with them and loved them, hugged on them, hung out with them. And one day Lauren calls up. She says, hey, can I come over? It's like 7 o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, sure. Well, Lauren comes to the house, and she's got a bowl under her arm. She's got a towel over her shoulder and some soap in her hands. Now, she didn't tell us what she was coming to do. So it was awkward. I'm like, you come and bathe the dog? I'm like, what you, you know, you come and, what you doing? I'm, you come and wash the dishes? I mean, I had no clue what she was about to do. And I'll be honest with you, it was very, very difficult to sit through this. It was very awkward. She said, I come here to wash your feet. I felt like, my feet? <laughs> Have you seen my feet? <laughs> my wife won't touch my feet. <laughs> and she got to. No. I said, what? She said, I read the story where Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and I appreciate you guys, and I want to just come wash your feet. And I was like, okay. You don't have to do that. You see, you don't have to do that. No, you don't have to do that. It's, it's okay. It's okay. No, I have to do this. And we sat down, put our feet in the bowl, and she scrubbed our feet. And that forever changed my life. 
because she didn't have to. She wanted to. She wanted to, not because she was that good of a person. She wanted to because Jesus got up in the inside of her life and changed her life. And she realized everything that he washed off of her feet and she wanted to extend it to somebody else. In that moment, you go, there's nothing too dirty for me to do. You see, when somebody's scrubbing your feet and you don't deserve it and you ain't paying for it, you'll start to have thoughts like, man, I've become too prideful to do this for somebody else. I was convicted. I was humbled. I understood what it felt like to receive that and what it did to me. You know what it did? It then turned it around and said, now go give that to some other people. And it changed me. And that's what Jesus wanted with Peter. If I can't wash you, Peter, you don't belong to me. Wow. Isn't that amazing? He told Peter, you don't understand yet, but you're going to understand. Peter didn't understand. You see, the problem was, is the creator was washing the feet of the created. That's a big deal, y'all. When the creator, the one who formed you and knitted you, is down there washing your feet. That's amazing. That's servant king. That's not just king with a servant. Come on, somebody. That's a servant king. You see, the stuff Jesus has washed off of me, I'm glad he washed it so you can't see it. Why? Because it's embarrassing. He washed all the dark things off of me. Everything that I decided to walk through, he got on his knees and he washed it off of my feet. And he'll do it again. He's not too big to do it. Amen? The creator was washing the feet of the created. Which leads me to my last point. My last thought about John 13 is this, that Jesus led by example. Seems like a simple point, right? Jesus led by example. Watch this in verse 12. <laughs> verse 10, you got to love Peter because he, <laughs> Peter's a trip. Jesus tells Peter some stuff and Peter goes, basically, he says this. Well, okay, if you need to wash my feet, then go ahead and wash my head, wash my chest, wash my back, wash my legs. He's like, wash all of me. <laughs> got to love Peter. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, which speaks of his authority and his kingship, and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? He said this, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that's what I am. I am teacher and Lord. I haven't lost my position. Just because I lowered myself doesn't mean that I've lost anything. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And the question today is, is have you become so holy, so righteous, so established, so well-known, so pretty, so prim, so proper that you can't get down and dirty with somebody? Have you become so self-righteous and so puffed up 
That you can't lower yourself to wash somebody else's feet? That you can't go bless your neighbor? That you can't touch somebody's life that needs to be touched? Have you become so puffed up that you can't reach out to somebody who's hurting and their life stinks at the moment? Because Jesus is saying to me, to all of us today, I've done this for you. Now you belong to me. Go and do this for others. You see it? You see it? If you're a believer, you let me wash your feet. Now you belong to me. Go and do this to others. Wow. You see, it's, it, in this life, it's not who gets the most stuff that wins. It's the one who gives the most stuff that wins. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the earth. Come on, somebody. What are you willing to give away? Some of you are stuck spiritually because you, you've come to a crossroads with God where he's called you to get down and dirty with somebody else's life, and you refuse to do it. And so now you're at a stopping point with God. Come on. You know how you fix that? You say, okay. I'm sorry it took me so long. I'm going to do it. And you go do it. You don't wonder about it. You don't talk to everybody about it. You take it up with God. You say, I'm sorry it took me this long. I'm sorry I've been spiritually constipated and puffed up and proud. I'm sorry that I've been, my life's been kind of stinky lately. I'm sorry I'm kind of bloated looking in the spirit. But, but would you please forgive me? I don't want to be puffed up and proud anymore. I want to be like you, Jesus. And I want to serve somebody. And I want to re- reach somebody right where they are. Just like you reached me right where I was. Don't ever forget where you came from. <laughs> don't dwell on it, but don't forget it. Because your life stunk one time too. Amen? So where does being a servant come from? Number one, five quick points. It comes from loving others. You got to be willing to love other people. It's the great command. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's what God commanded us to do. Number two, know who you are in Christ. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have next step. That's why we preach what we preach. That's why we're constantly trying to get you to plug into other people and get connected so that, so that iron can sharpen some iron. Man left to himself is dull. You need to know who you are in Christ. Number three, you need to know where you came from. You need to know who formed you and who created you and who made you like you are. And you need to be okay with that. Can I say that again? You need to be okay with who God made you to be. Number four, you need to know where you're going. You don't need to be wondering no more. I'll pray you don't leave out of here today wondering. Listen to me. If you've given your life to Jesus, Romans says... That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a period right after that. You will be saved. You need to know that. And then number five, you need to understand how the kingdom works. 
And instead of scratching to get your own self established and build your own kingdom, you need to work to build God's kingdom. Come on. I'll take a doghouse in heaven, but I don't really want one. If I get busy about building his kingdom, he gets busy about taking care of mine. Maybe the reason your kingdom's not being taken care of is because you're too involved in it. I better quit. Because you see, when you build his kingdom, you take your eyes off yourself, and then he walks in and does what he needs to do without you even noticing. Let's pray.